morning. Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and my co-host today subbing in for Alex Sokolow, who's doing Vegas Baby, is Joe Shaw from the Express News Group. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm not in Vegas. No, you're not in Vegas. So, but... uh, you know, I'm, I'm second to Alex, but... Uh... But you know what he did? It's so funny. It's like, I, I called him yesterday... Um, to, to give him some news about the show, which is very good and which I'll share with the audience at some other time. But uh, I called him and I, you know, I waited until noon. So it was 9 a.m. in Vegas. I didn't want to wake him up. And I called and I said, hey, you lost all your money yet? And he said, yes. How did you know? And I said, well, because you're in Vegas. He said, no, I don't leave until tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we have a great guest today. We have Nancy Atlas, who's like queen of queen of the music scene uh, on the East End. And uh, we, what, did you ever play an instrument? Yeah, you know it's interesting because I'm I'm I love music and I've always found music though to me I'm just fascinated by music and it's always been a big part of my life, but it's the same with language. I don't have the brain to be bilingual, and I have so much respect for people who do. And yeah. I talk to people who who learn other languages and become fluent in them, and they say that they're able to think in other languages. Yeah, my, like my husband. That is baffling to me, and, and I'm amazed by that. But I've, tr- I've tried to learn other languages. I took Spanish for six years, I think, in college and high school, and just didn't take yeah, for whatever too. reason. I went to a French... I went to a French elementary and middle school. I went to, it was called um, Fleming, but it was Ecole Francaise, and I can't speak any I, French at all. I think that all. some people just have the brain for it, and, and yeah. I think it's true with music, too. I, of course, gravitated to various instruments to try, and I just I didn't. can see you with, like, a French horn. No, oh, no, no. Or a tuba. No, no. I, I took guitar lessons as a child at the point where... They taught me chord. The, the guitar teacher taught me chords on three strings because my fingers weren't long enough to reach across the six. <laughs> little little um, T Rex fingers. I, I was actually very briefly the drummer in the band The Nervous Virgins, which the only good thing about us was the name. We never played out anywhere. Were uh, you like a garage band that yeah, never yeah, left the garage? Exactly. Okay. And I have one cassette recording of Knocking on Heaven's Door, which I just knocked out of the park, oh, I have to say. I'm going to have to listen to yeah, that. Yeah, I've got that. I found it the other day. I actually still have it. Oh my God. And I traded the drum set for a bass Oh yeah. and messed around on the bass for a bit, but... None of it. And keyboards, like I was really proud of myself because I learned a yes song on a keyboard just by, by ear. And, and but none of it ever really took. So well, I a, Emma, my sis. I, I, you, so you I was a piano like I had piano lessons oh, and I, I was love to play piano. No, I was hopeless. But Emma was Emma Walton Hamilton, mm-hmm. my stepsister, could like like she taught herself the beginning of sticks sailing away, that whole long thing. Oh, wow. She taught herself that. And I was like amazed. So my, my parents had bought us a keyboard in the hope maybe that we would be like musical geniuses and we just weren't. But but we did things like that all the time. Like Emma was always kind of playing something. But my mom and my my stepdad, my, my stepdad, Tony Walton, no one knows this. He's like a fabulous piano player and he wrote all these fantastic songs. So he always had a piano and my my mom plays mandolin and banjo, and so we always had like, and then like someone would show up, like Richard Williams, the animator, could play trumpet, and then the, my my uncle's a drummer, and suddenly we'd have you like have this, a jam session. There'd be a jam session yeah, in my they're... apartment all the time, and, and who would Bridget be? Susan Day. Like you were the cowbell. Frickin', no, right? No, you were I, cowbell. I was the tambourine, and yes. I couldn't even keep the beat. It was Nothing just pathetic. Anyway, but but Nancy Alice is a musical. Um, just ex- extraordinary, and and I've known Nancy forever. I mean, really, we go way, 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 way back. And 
Um, I never and get tired. I just of met Nancy finally, what, this last summer? Yeah, we did. After we our, did. Good our circles never crossed for some reason somehow. I know, but we were fast and furious yes. friends. Yes. Yeah, well, that's that's how it goes with Nancy and Joe. It's two, two of my favorites. You <laughs> know, it's interesting. I just, um, I, I cartoon on the side. I don't, I don't really talk about it, but I just, I did a book for my first son, and I just did a second book for my middle child. You can't even get them, so this is not a pitch. I just printed it for them, you know? And the second book is about exactly what you're talking about, though. Oh, wow. And that is um, finding your instrument. I have a little bit of a different take, but then again, I've always, you know, music comes a little bit easier to me. Uh, I do believe, though, that everyone can be a musician and that you really have to just get over the hump. I think that's um, true. And you may never be, you know, James Booker or Alan Toussaint on the, on the <laughs> piano, but I'm actually taking piano lessons right now. Is so, that right? And, I, and that's I'm, something I would have And I'm so is my sister, Emma. Yeah. And, and, and the reason is because um, I had to kind of look in the mirror. I've always wanted to be kind of proficient at piano. I, I play, I play, I had a year of, of lessons when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I never really had the theory behind it and I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I've been taking lessons with Joe D'Elia. Oh, wow. For, and yeah, and, and you know, it brings me incredible joy. And so I would say to you, my friend, <laughs> my new friend. Joseph P. Shaw. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, don't give up on it yet. Because the, the book is actually about when an instrument calls to you, that's a very real thing. And, and it's really about f- the calling for your children and, and opening them up to all instruments. In, in our school, they only have brass, which I'm kind of annoyed about. Because, yeah. you know, what if, you're, what if it's a violin or something like that? Mm-hmm. So everybody, I, I believe that everybody, maybe, maybe not, but, and it doesn't really actually have to be an instrument. It might be science. It might be gardening. It might be whatever. I did buy a ukulele for Christmas. That's what I'm saying. You know, Georgia plays the ukulele now because that's a fairly... And I feel like like that's... So that shows you that I still have this desire... I'm going to say you should go for it. Oh, I totally want to see But I'm just saying, if you do 15 minutes, three to five days a week, and you commit to it, I I guarantee you, when you get to around week six... You will be amazed at where you are. Do you buy into the ten thousand hour theory? I do. What's that? that? Uh, the, 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 uh, yes, I do. The theory is that anything that you do, um, whether it's sports or art or Maxwell music, Gladwell, yeah, yeah, it's that, a that, tipping that point. Ten thousand hours is the tipping point that when you do it for that long, you become proficient wait a minute, wait a at it. Do I even have ten thousand hours that's, left? That's exactly I mean, my how, point. <laughs> how long is ten thousand hours? That sounds I'll have like to devote a I'll lot be dead of by then. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's it's not just about. To me, it's that it's uh, right now. I'm trying to teach my children. Uh, I'm trying to find a, for for two of them. I'm trying to find what instrument. And Resonates. one of them's a, you know, I would love him to play piano, but guess what? He likes the xylophone. Xylophone. Oh, cool. So, like I mean, Hampton? what a random thing, right? Lionel yeah. Hampton. I think that's, yeah. And so, and so I think the thing for me is that uh, it's so stressful. The world has always been a mess. It always will be a mess on a certain level. And so if you have this thing where you can sit down and shut down, I would probably pair it to something almost like yoga. Nice. And, and, and I, so many people... I'm so glad you it's said like, it the way you like do. Meditation. Just say, yeah. 
I'm not musical and therefore I'm never going to be musical, but I love music. If you saying that, I actually think you have a chance because if you love it, <laughs> right. half of it, what's ha- what people don't realize is almost like surfing too. It takes months to learn how to surf. Right. You don't just get People up think and... you're going to go take a lesson and then suddenly be like Kelly Slater ripping down a wave. No, yeah. <laughs> it takes water knowledge and, 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 and months. I mean, I, we're from Montauk and it took me three months to really it takes a lot of failure. A lot By the way, of failure. Off topic, but yeah. How do you know if you're good at pole vaulting? <laughs> I've always wondered that. Uh, God, kids, how don't do try practice, this at home. How do you oh, practice pole vaulting? So like you're either good at it or you're not good. Well, at you know, it. And, and if you live in a small, you know, one-bedroom apartment in New York, it's, it's extra hard. Exactly. <laughs> well, I would say if you're bad at sprinting, true. Uh, someone's going to say, hey. Right. Try pole vaulting. You'll have a little less competition in that. You're going to find out very you quickly. You could be an Olympic pole vaulter. I actually I hold out hope to be an Olympic. Um, what is it with the brushes on the ice? Oh, the, yes, oh, curling, curling, curling. I think I could be. Do you not underestimate the Canadians on that. That's hey, true. Listen, you know what? They have a Long Island Curling Association, and my accountant is the president. So See, I'm hooking I you up. Like, you're going to have to I be feel curling. Like that's my last chance oh, yeah, you to do, be an Olympic athlete. You're brushing I'm the like, ice yeah, in front I'd of the pot. Seems like I could do it. It's kind of well. It's a lot of like. It's a lot of brushing. Could I be like the one that pats the sweat as you're running down? Like like you know. I'm going to need that. The curlers and and I love if you watch curling how serious it is oh they're yeah. very there's, serious there's no like you know no, you got to brush that ice hard you know, and that, here comes sledding, the they're like high-fiving yeah, at the end yeah in so curling it's, it's either just like the ukulele or curling well, but and curling I really is don't a have time in my life for both. But so. curling is a combination of, of <laughs> hockey, shuffleboard, and cleaning the house. <laughs> I don't, yeah. not, none of which it's I'm so particularly true. interested in. I like and that you, you don't need skates for it. I'm going to say that we are sitting here Maybe mocking it a little bit, and I bet if we tried to curl oh, today, we would have hard. our butt handed to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet there's a curler out there that's like, yeah, keep talking, Bridget. Keep talking. <laughs> Go ahead. Come my on down. Let's see. How curling you, yeah, enemy. Yeah. We're my smack nemesis. The smack folks. Yeah. Well, listen, we're gonna take a break, but this is so much fun. We're here. I'm here. It's Bridget Leroy with Joe Shaw and Nancy Atlas. You're listening to Sundays on the East End. We're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant, BridgehamptonInn.com. Our underwriter, and you're listening to us on 88.3 FM WPPB, Peconic Public Broadcasting. You can also stream us online at 883WPPB.org, and we will be right back. Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy 
and Joe Shaw. <laughs> and we're here with our guest, Nancy Atlas. Good the, morning. The Nancy Atlas. So, Nancy, we've been talking about so much off the air. Where do you want to Where do you want to begin? I mean, the, by the time this airs, yeah. you'll have finished your fireside That's sessions right. we for will this have, year. Uh, we, and we have back-to-back. We have... Uh, yeah, Friday and Saturday this week. Yes, well, I want to talk about like your your creative journey and we how like we were talking about music and like how how did you, how did you know? Because you were, um, I always wrote songs. I was very musical from very early on. I had an ear on the piano of all things. So mm. I at three I was earing out three blind mice, probably like your sister Emma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um and it wasn't until I was about eleven that my m- my mom took me to a, a lesson, and which I was vehemently against. Right. But I also trained for in viol- a viola for 10 years. A lot of people don't realize oh, that. Wow. And so I had an orchestral background as well. But by seventh grade, I was in, in our talent shows, I was performing on piano original songs. So oh, wow. songwriting was really always there for me. And they weren't like the oceans, your mother, well, your we bitch, to, and your we lover. We have to remember that we were <laughs> back in the days of Debbie Gibson. Oh, my God. So, you know, like, those were, the, 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 you remember? Yeah, yeah, I, can't I'm, even, I'm, I can't even, I'm sure we can find it. I but, can't think but, of what her songs were, but I know what but you mean. what happened is that I was also involved in uh, the arts. And so by 10th grade, I was going to college at St. John's for for graphic art. Wow. So I actually thought I was going to be a painter. Wait a second. Did you say by 10? By 10th grade. 10th oh, by grade. 10th grade, 10th grade oh, not God. 10. No, no, no. Okay. I wasn't some, you know, you know, prodigy. But I was heavily steeped in it and I have I I was very I have the ability to reproduce kind of graphically uh, and and so I was trained I I am trained mm-hmm. as as an artist. Um, That's so interesting because you know. So I, I got, feel like those things are connected. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I feel like art and music. I and think language. that's why so many musicians are good artists. Like you, you know, so many musicians also make art on the side visually. I think there's. We also like to eat. Yeah, it's that's true. Another thing. Well, okay, I like we to eat. Also like, we're also incredibly that. bad at taxes. Do you think there's a connection? I feel like it. I feel like it's that creative part of the brain that just I think is I do I do if I look at my friends I can almost all of them even my drummer Richard Roche is a very prolific artist and all of the people in his family are musicians and artists his brother is Michael Roche who is a a highly highly regarded uh, sculptor out here so yes um, but there are exceptions to that you know I mean Johnny Blood doesn't really do drawings and stuff he's my lead guitarist he's unbelievable he's unbelievable but like you take Enda Eaton she's also very good at at, at drawing and 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 laying things out yeah yeah and I'm not at all I do not have that yeah that's another talent I don't have so yeah yeah, so I studied that (laughs) I went to school I thought it was going to be a painter I uh, went to uh, my secondary uh, college career was overseas, and I studied fine art in, in Italy. And uh, I was wild. That's what Eric Fischel was talking about last week. That he went to Rome. Yeah, and, and, and so did I residency. did three years in in London, and uh, well, three, uh, two and a half years in London. I started at Cambridge, and then I dropped out, and I went to um, a small university in London called Richmond University, and they wow. had shoots everywhere. So I did a year in Florence and graduated early and then I came back and I always knew I wanted to live in in the East End right and then uh, three months before I graduated in September it was 1990 and uh, there was a the Gulf War going on there was a recession I was trying to get a job in London as a graphic artist there was no work Uh, I'll never forget somebody said to me 
you can work for us for six months watering the plant <laughs> for free and making us coffee and then we'll consider you and I thought how am I going to do this yeah right and I was so I had that one that big moment in your 20s right when you're 20 years old yeah. where reality came to call yeah 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 and it was like wait I'm not fabulous mm-hmm. and I know you don't want me mm-hmm. and I was I had plans of going into advertising and 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 or maybe graphic and, and being a, a fine artist you right know? right and I picked up a guitar with the background. <laughs> I'd always wanted to play guitar, right? right. P- touching back on the always wanting to. Right. I got a tab, a Mel Bay tab book in London. I remember the Mel Bay book. It was raining. <laughs> it was pouring in London. I went down to Portobello Road and I bought a I guitar for 60 quid, 60, yeah. 60 pounds. And um, I think within, I learned a Van Morrison song and I never looked which, back. Which Van Morrison song? Um, Jackie Wilson said it. Oh, I love that. And that was followed by uh, Tracy Chapman's Sorry in three weeks. And then I was immediately writing music. And I thought, uh, I I will die for this. Wow. And I had a conviction that I never had with my art. Um, I had had a conviction. That's the only way I can put it. There was no sensitivity about it. I didn't really care what people thought about my music. You know what I mean? Was it was it the I, ethereal quality of it that that with with visual art you're creating something and it exists in the world and you can look at it and find its yeah, we flaws were and do all that, that about music being transient? You yeah, when saying. when music music yeah. is so in the moment, and I feel like that makes it even more powerful in a lot of ways. Well, it, you know, you're touching on something I've thought a lot about, um, and I I I now 25 years into being a live musician really look at my job as almost like an alchemist. Um, uh, w- when you're a band leader, I'm not even talking about writing songs mm-hmm. now, I'm talking about leading a band. Right, because arranging. we are very, very lucky. We ha- are able to survive out here as a musician, which is a whole other conversation. But part of the reason I would think is, um, I think our music is solid. It comes from the heart. Our band lays it on the table and bleeds every single time yeah. we play. We never take that for granted. But secondarily, as a band leader, um, I'm famous in my band for not reading a set list because th- every single show is a different entity and, and people are bringing in their energy. Right. So sometimes they go immediately from where I want to take them if I've had a bad day. Right. They're going to come on my train and then well, then I'll be moved. But it is a very living, breathing thing hmm. in, in an amoebic state of right. osmosis. So... I'm a conduit for that room's energy on any given night. Even the set list is part of the creative Absolutely. process. Absolutely. Yeah. And I go off track. I drive them crazy because I, <laughs> I because there you can never tell where a room is going to be. I at this point I can almost read prior to the show. I'll kind of you're talking about shaman stuff like yeah. I'll try to read almost anticipate what the energy of the room oh it's gonna snow tonight there people are gonna be in a good mood it's gonna be cold and the energy is gonna be up I'm not gonna start slow I'm gonna shake them out for three songs and then I'm gonna take them like so you don't know but so then you get in there and everyone's quiet as a mouse then you can do something you know but you have to be open to it Mm -hmm. and as that conduit I'm taking that ethereal energy those ethers yeah. And I'm putting them into my brain and my body. And then I'm changing that. That's why I call it like an alchemist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm putting their combined energy with my energy. And I'm reading that and I'm saying, 
now we're going to turn here. I think that's why your shows are so successful. I mean, really, that, I th- that's why. I think that being open to it and being vulnerable is really the but, word as an artist is part of the th- reason that people come back. You'd look at somebody like Ellen and Ken. They've been to over the hundreds of shows. And, and, and I you're take talking pride about in Ellen DeGuardi, who's like Ken our left Grill. hand. I mean, they're so supportive. And Ken Grill is And Ken Grill and David and Chip. There's a bunch of, and, right. and Rob and Chris King. They come to every show. They are so f- phenomenally supportive. But that I take pride in that. And they will tell you, I think, it's because they never know what's going to happen. Mm, and right. there's a beauty, there's, I... I really, how do I say this? I, I honor that. Well, you know, it's important that they don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. We're going to take another, another break and listen to one of Nancy's songs, of course. But I, I want to open up this discussion about always pushing your boundaries because that's something really interesting. So because, important. Like the show that will have been last night by the time this airs is a call and response kind of gospel show. And I mean, what the hell, Nance? I mean, like, you, you know, it's just like you constantly are changing. And and I want to ask about you, Joe, as well. I mean, things shift, um, even in the newspaper world. I mean, with The Independent, suddenly everything's more web-friendly. You know, all the things that we have to do to kind of shift in, you know, the slalom of our careers. So right. um, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End. We're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant on WPPB-FM. And we'll be right back. Back Sundays on the East End, Bridget Leroy and my special guest host Joe Shaw. Yes, Joe Shaw from the Express News Group. Me from the Independent. I, I can't even call us frenemies because we're we're friends. That's it. You know what's we're, funny though is that's really become a big deal in the last what year or two, and and uh, means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah I don't me know too. how in the world uh, we weren't close friends like for the entire 20 years that I think we've well, both been here. I but. spent 10 years in New Hampshire. Oh, okay, so that's right. You were away up. for a while. So <laughs> yes, well, you're here now. Well, we have Nancy Atlas here. We're having this amazing discussion about live music, local music and everything. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the Fireside Sessions, even though people will have to start making their reservations now for next year because you do it in January. That's right. Yeah. Why did you choose uh, to do it? Well, I guess because Bay Street no, was No, I had a very quickly, I had a baby, I had um, my, my third child, Tallulah, in at the end of August, and I, I've said this before, but it's kind of unromantic. Um, she was the wild card, we'll put it that way, <laughs> and at 42, it kind of decimated my work for that year, right. uh, the very unromantic side of being an artist that is paid through your performance. And so uh, come to November, um, I was very eager to get going. I had had a C-section, and it's uh, as a singer that's decimating. Mm-hmm. You have to rest. But I've I've come to learn about myself. I last about three weeks, and then I have to make music because okay. I become very cranky. Um, <laughs> I don't want to so be around you when you're cranky. I'm so Nancy. not a nice person when I'm when I'm um, cantankerous is the word. Yeah. Uh, so Crouchy. anyway, I. 
I was thinking, how am I going to do something in the dead of winter at the worst time of year? And I called Gary. I came, after talking with friends, I came up with, I know all of these phenomenal musicians. One of the things that I do to survive, we were talking about surviving, yeah. is and that I, a lot of people maybe don't associate with us, which is I'm happy about because we have a, a big following for our original music. But I do do a lot of private events. Right. So I just don't really... Advertise, advertise for yeah. it. I've never advertised. It's always been word of mouth. But for years, I was uh, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs. We'd go to you know right. Arizona, California, whatever private event. We do kind of big things, you right. know. And so, um, so, and it is great that it's word of mouth because it's only people that know us and know what we do. Right. So you know, I'm not going to be singing "Wind Beneath My Wing" by, by <laughs> Celine Dion. Oh, I that's bet not, you'd, you'd sing that's that for not me. That's not why you. I'd sing it for you. I love that. I love that movie. But. Uh, but that's, you know, and so they know what they're getting. They know what we do. Right. Uh, but in that, I've had the good, very good fortune and being the house band at the Talk House for 16 years <laughs> of rolling with the most famous sidemen and women that you could ever, you know, Clark Gayton, who played two weeks ago, he's a sideman, played seven years with Springsteen, toured all over the world, Sting, Prince. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's who Winston Marsalis calls when he wants a trombone. So, you know, th that's my big joke. My, my, my son, uh, Bing, played the trombone. Yeah, that, no, that was no, what Clark's he played. We were talking about so, kids. And, so, you know, I, I, I just want to tell you that he, I always referred to him as my little tromboner. Aww. And he didn't, he'd be he mom. Like that, mom. It's a trombonist. Yeah, right. Yes. Mom. Like, no, nope, you're my tromboner. <laughs> Trombonista. <Okay>. So <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, to any extent, you, the, the concept was you don't know these people. But um, really at the base of it, after the first four weeks, was that I kept like almost like a boxer. Yeah. A left hook, right hook, left hook. So by the third week, people are going, I don't know who the hell this person is that the special <laughs> guest is. But that show last week was so phenomenal that I'll give it a shot. Right. And now what's been so fun is some of the guests have returned so many times that they're not only they know they're known but they're sought after right and that's wonderful for me to put the spotlight on my friends who are so so talented yeah and they are the springsteen they are so we crafted around them so you become the house band for your special guests yes in a way. but it's also enabled me as an artist on my worst days when i'm sometimes a bit cranky i have to really <laughs> take stock in the fact that it's been a complete, the fireside sessions at Bay Street for me have been a complete um, play, playground for my artistic interpretation. So yeah. Carrie Fisher died, for example, and we had two days before the show and I said, Let's dress up as Princess Leia and sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow and dedicate it to Carrie Fisher. Oh, thanks. And so we, we did that. And then, and then, and then David Bowie right. died. And I said, let's do trombo trombone. What he was, uh, Clark Aiton was there. Right. So we did this loop with a trombone and we did this crazy um, uh, space oddity with trombone loops and oh crit. And it was just like. So, who's going to die today, Nancy, let's before nobody, your show tomorrow just, night? I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was really crazy is I started saying, oh, let's play some Eagles, and then this week, and then Glenn Fry died. And no, then the next I, week, oh, no, God. and the next week I said, I let's really feel like Rush. saying some Bowie, oh. and, and, and David Bowie, Bowie died. Yeah. I had this run that was crazy. Okay. So, so I said, I will not think of this Rolling Stones. I will not think of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> 
Rolling Stones. <laughs> no. so. Nancy, yeah, yeah. Nancy Alice, Kiss of Death. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> the Black Widow. <laughs> yes. Bo- it, Bowie's death in particular. I bought Black Star the, when it came out. It, you know, I got yeah. it immediately and Such a, listened totally. to it over and over and over again that weekend and went, wow, Bowie's finding a whole new level here that he and then he died that monday i think oh it, i God. think i got the album on friday and he died on monday because he died just a couple of days after that album that is, was released oh no, well it was like he was a but that touched on something you said before that you yeah. wanted to talk about yeah. putting yourself where you're not comfortable right because wherever like, you are you do this call and response show with danny Keene, yeah who i adore yes uh, the blind pianist yes I, I adore him and uh and we have a 12 woman local choir yes. of my favorite female singers. I know, I wanted here. to have coffee with Sarah Conway and she couldn't because she was rehearsing for you. You know. So, yeah. I'm curious, you as a musician, when you're playing with a guest performer, do you enjoy it more the first time you play with them or is it more interesting when you've played with them before and they come back and you play again? Is the is the experience of sort of... Um, finding them in the first the first time is that more exciting for you or we've had all over the map but i would say like i'll be posting some stuff on my instagram account which is just at nancy atlas randy fischenfeld was our guest last week and she's a female violinist from uh florida and she's one of my closest friends and i would say that we after playing together for 20 years had our most phenomenal show ever last Saturday. And part of that is because there is, once again, the trust and the respect. You know, I find there's, I find it a really interesting point amongst musicians. How do you define a musician? How do you define what, and, and the real answer to that for me is their intention. What is your intention as a musician? But that's for everything. Is your really. intention yeah. to get up there and shake your butt? Okay, I want to right. say the other word, but I want you can say ass. Can I say ass? Oh, to you shake can say your anything ass on this. And look at Just me. More, more I, call work them, for Kyle. I call them memes. You know, yeah. there's a there's a class of musicians that um, are vanity bands where they love music and they play and it's and it gets them off and there's nothing wrong with that okay i would never because music is not owned by anyone or anything but there is another breed of people that could have done anything they wanted with their life Mm -hmm. but the calling of music was so hard that they could not deny i could have been a lawyer i could have been a doctor i could have been i could have done any i could have gone into politics i could have done anything but when that calling came to me it was so pure and so hard that i waitressed Right. And that I served burgers corner bar. to people that I was, you know, in high school with when I was 29. Do you think I wanted to? No, I didn't. But my, 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 I made that decision. And so to me, when you have this other brand of people that sometimes think they're that, but they're not, they get in the way. And it frustrates me a little bit because it's like, look, do your thing, but... There's blood on the tracks for people like Cliff Black, for people like Inda Eaton, Mm -hmm. for myself, for Gene Casey, Mm -hmm. for Winston Irie. We have dedicated our life to it. And uh, I, don't, I mean, I think I've gone off on a tangent a little bit here. I but, love your no, tangents. But, we're we're but fascinated. I think that courage of following your heart in that direction, what really moves you, 
I think that's the courage that, that leads to success in life. You have to be willing to waitress to do it, and you have to be willing to sacrifice to do whether it's music or medicine or it journalism. Doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to. You can be very successful and be a phenomenal musician and whatever. I'm just saying that when you don't have the Grammy and you don't have the access to the person pushing your song and you're not and you're on the ground making a living day to day as a musician, the one thing that you have above all is your respect, your own personal respect for your time in. And that means something. Yeah. And so I take a little bit of offense when people are hobbyists or whatever. It annoys me. It doesn't it doesn't make me a good person for it, but it's like, no. You know what? Mm-hmm. We've fought for this and we're not on a similar playing ground. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, stay out of our way. You but, know what I mean? But Do you your still, thing. You still get involved with the Battle of the Girl bands. Well, that's because is, that's that's hobbyist, but that's right. that's interesting because that's for Kate Muth, right, who has blood on the tracks yep. for the neopolitical cowgirls for right. drama. Right. And when I see Kate Muth, I see a kindred spirit. Absolutely. And I see Kate and she's sweating and she's often you know, her brain is on fire Absolutely. on any given day. And we've had her on the show. And she's phenomenal, phenomenal, empathic, living and breathing artist. She is a gift to the East End. And it cripples me sometimes that I see someone working so hard to keep it all going. Yeah. Because quite honestly, she should have an endowment for $200,000 a year from the town for what she even gives to our children. Why are we worried about so much sand on the beaches? We have all this money, okay? And and I uh, know this is, what is it? It, you're 10 getting million, no, I'm getting ten okay? million dollars all for of this sand. What, so what matters? What right. are we afraid of? No, right. but that's my big question. And and one of the things, you know, we have a board right now that they're doing their best to thread the needle of the desire of the people that live here and whatever. They're doing the best. But my whole thing is, why is this discussion about curtailing and trying to contain it? Well, we should actually be doing the opposite. We're not a small town in Kansas. Right. We are East Hampton. Right. We are the East End. We have a legacy. We have a, uh, a an obligation, a generational obligation right now. You you, me, Kate, you know, Kyle. every, but I'm just saying, I want to see somebody that has the money to say, hey, let's put up a beautiful sculpture every year and have a 20 or a $30,000, um, uh, what's the word? Not endowment, but like a sponsorship yeah, for Dor- Dalton Portella or mm-hmm. somebody like, um, and these are famous people out here, artists, yes. Patton Miller. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? We can't have a 12 by 20 mural that will be worth $2 million right. in years to come because no, 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 keep the shutters white right. and keep the doors closed. Well, I, mean, I, I think that Eric Fischel and April Gornick, and Eric was a guest and everything, they're kind of busting open. Sag, they want Sag Harbor to be a, a an artistic hub in every and way. I picture Sag Harbor leading the way to that, yes. just like they've led the way in, in other ways. And, and I think they've done that with, with live music to some degree. Kind too. of. I mean, there's it's a very a, big fight, though, right now. Right. Technically, on record, you're not supposed to have more than three people play music mm-hmm. in, in the, in the right. village of Sag Harbor, which is, you know, there's. The, the real issue with music, if we just want to cut it right down, is noise. Right. And it's decibels. And once you start talking about decibels, people's eyes roll into the back. It's like talking about legal, a legal document right. to me. Like, you start going, white noise. therefore, within thou, blah, 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 I don't, I'm out. Right. And right, so right. I guess 
the big thing about you know what I really think it is because I, I've noticed when we've posted stories you know on Facebook about the music laws or you know Tom Tom McMorrow's story or, or the stories in the in the press um, the comments underneath are both sides people are like yeah live music free speech blah blah and then there's other people like yeah until you live next door to the place so I really think that the onus isn't on the musicians I mean it's isn't it shouldn't it be more I hate the word should because shitting all over myself but um, that shouldn't it be on the owners of the clubs or the or the places to say hey you guys can only play till 10 or something like that oh no like it's that. nine o'clock unless you're at the surf lodge which is eight o'clock because they have their own their own agreement in order to have things i think what most people don't realize is that um and this comes back to the respect value for right. me is that we are a tourist town and yes, we want to make sure that the people that live next door are not decimated with it. How horrible. You spend right. all this tax money and all these things and you have to show. And look, I live two blocks from Sloppy Tuna, so I get it. <laughs> That's my karmic wheel in the sky. Right. But, um, <laughs> but what they don't realize is that it's a very fine line. And if, if you take a town like East Hampton and Montauk, you have businesses, that uh, restaurants that are really surviving off of four months. Right. And so, and you've worked in a restaurant. I don't yes. know if you have, oh, have yes. you? You know, part of. Well, work or own, I mean. No, but the conversation <laughs> is I, I ran yeah. the clam bar for 10 years right. at Nepeague. And most people don't realize how incredibly hard it is to make a profit from a restaurant. Oh, yeah. And so here we have places that are successful. And as, as soon as what I, I have a big joke, we should have a law for people that don't bring people. Right. Because as soon as you're successful, you get so many violations that you can't, you can't survive them. Right. And now music violations go directly to the SLA. Most people don't even realize that, which is the state liquor authority. Really? So... And then they fine you on top of the town, even if the even if it's let go, even if the town says you are not guilty of this. It's is I'm or I can see people's eyes rolling in the back of their head. No, but the it, long it's story short is that people cannot survive this, and so they will not hire musicians if they're going to juggle between their liquor license or live music. And so we need to have the conversation to make sure that the laws are on both sides. I feel like one of the problems with the region in general is it's been a long time since we've had a conversation about what this community really is and yeah. what it should be and acknowledging that times change and the the economics change and the way this place was in 1970 isn't necessarily viable today and what do we want and what do we not want and i think that that for things like live music there's such a clear benefit to live music in a community and keeping it vibrant and keeping it a place you want to be. You Absolutely. can you can address the downsides and you can you can put you can put reasonable things in place to keep that from being a problem if you acknowledge it's important to have it. If you don't acknowledge that as a region that said that's something we need. We just like you said about public art it, it yeah. is remarkable to me that in an area that is an artist retreat for a hundred and some years, there isn't more public art in this place. You're That's right. That's right. It makes and, no sense. And that, but that we have both happened. had your the Express News sessions and which used to be I guess the press or the Express. What are they called now? The news sessions. The uh, express. We have the press sessions and, and the, the express sessions. Ooh, yes. you got to. And, and we yes. did our indie thinking, yes. and we all did it about Village Vitality, and and you know to a T, it was about 
more wet spaces, like more mm-hmm. restaurants, bringing back live music, even if it's just someone with a piano and a keyboard. Like if you don't want the yeah, drum, but you in know, the like, village of East Hampton, yes, amplified music is illegal right now. It is footloose, That's and crazy. so and so I, I was is. laughing hysterically yeah. at the last board meeting because Nancy Linthill got up and went the vibrant musical community. And I said, you know, we're the cat in that 1980s poster. Hang, hang in there, right, hang in you there, know, baby. Like, you know what I mean? Are you vibrant? Yeah. What? Are you kidding me? Right. I mean, that that was almost more insulting than anything. And that, that comes back to the basis of my irie and my anger. Mm-hmm. I'm re- very incredibly frustrated because for 25 years, I put my head down like most musicians. I'm empathic. I'm, I'm for the good of the community. Mm-hmm. That changed last March when they rolled out this p- potential legislation, which was going to dictate having a music permit on your awning and all this. And, and you know, it brought something out of me that had never been there. Oh, I was there. And, I'm, I, saw and you. I said, you know what? How about a little bit of respect and thank you for the musicians out here? See, I don't think that legislation. Even considered the musicians. I think. It, oh no! I think it yeah, was you're looking, right. Oh I yes. think it was looking purely at Absolutely. the venues and never even thought no, about. No, we impact. were we were yeah. a sidebar, which is even more insulting. Because and my other thing is like take the fireside sessions sold out. Okay, we've sold forty shows at Bay Street out over the last seven years. That's three hundred people each night. every Saturday. Two ninety nine coming at two ninety nine. <laughs> we won't talk about the ones we sneak. But anyway, um, <laughs> coming into that town. Maybe 150 of them eat dinner. Maybe 75 of them get gas. Well, guess what? That doesn't only affect the, uh, the, the restaurants. That affects the wait staff. That affects the dishwasher that can pay his bills after Christmas. And this is a very real thing. And so we sit here and, oh, why is this happening to the village of East Hampton? No one's coming here anymore. Right. Well, guess what? You need to make it. You need to respect what your restaurants and your musicians and your artists are bringing and, and cultivate it. Yeah. Cultivate. Hey, does Coche Commodore bring a lot of people? Is the parking bad? Yeah, it is. Is Mark Smith a godsend to this community Hell with yeah. what he has brought to Townline Barbecue and Nick and Tony's? And, and what does he get? He gets somebody after 20 years coming down to Fundita and saying, take down your string lights that you've had up for 20 years. We don't like the way it looks. But what's fascinating to me, this is something I always bring up when we're talking about subjects like this. So in Southampton town, their comp plan, which is supposed to guide everything that the town does, and it right. wasn't updated. The last time it was updated, I believe, was 2000. Right. I think is the last time. But it specifically in there lays out a vision of Southampton Town being for residents only and not to encourage people to come. No day trippers. Are you no tourists. Me? It's, Wait, for it's the whole actually town or just for, the village? for the entire town. It's the town's comprehensive plan. It's actually anti-tourism to some degree because their point is this is meant to be a part-time resident community. That's who it's for. It's not for other people to come in and, and for Well, I think that's driven a lot of what's happened, at least in Southampton for years. But this is you reap what you sow. Then your businesses start to fail well, the, because there's not enough business. There's, there's not no enough walking. people. There's yeah, yeah. No well, but walking. this is the thing: is that there, there. You know, you can basically go into any small town in America. You're going to see, you know, for lease windows. There's going to be windows. But how do you change that? And one of the way of changing that is bringing people in That's and it. bringing the day trippers in. Bringing you got three people things. In. You got the beach. 
Right. You've got the restaurants and, and you've, you've got, got the entertainment. Okay. Right. Entertainment. And so and so my whole thing, we, we don't even have to go to a specific place, but you look at um, you know, my okay. My joke was, you know, oh, woe is us. We have Will- Willie Nelson coming to Montauk. <laughs> woe is us. I, I looked at Peter Van Scoon and said, you have the golden egg, golden goose here. Yeah. And you're trying to shut it down? I mean. I have traveled all over the country to see the Flaming Lips. I was going to talk about Wayne. I saw the Flaming Lips at the, at the Surf Lodge. Which I understand. I see the problems with the surf Oh, absolutely. Lodge, no, no, no. There's two sides night. to that. Absolutely. But come on. There was no, a no, crowd no. of about 300 no. the people when I was in The problem with that is the, the overflow, really. No, well, you and, know what? and I get it. We're going to take a break, but we're going to come back and talk about music taste and who we love. Oh, because fascinating. Flaming Lips. And we can talk Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Right? Please. Okay, so we're going to take another break. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Joe Shaw. <laughs> We've got Nancy Atlas. We're here on Peconic Public Broadcasting. You can also stream us online at 88. 3WPPB.org, and we will be right back. This is our last goodbye. I hate to feel the love between us die. But it's over. Just do this, and then I'll go. You gave me more to live for, more than your ever. You're back with us Sundays on the East End, and we've just been engaged in this kind of constant talk. So let's just continue. We were yeah. talking about um, we were talking about musical tastes, and you kind of said that you don't really have a lot of time to listen to music because no, you're I so listen, busy I listen to, to it. I'll be honest with you. I listen. I have a uh, one of the best things I bought in the last three years was a, uh, a record player, and <laughs> I listen to um, when I cook and when I I listen to jazz and I listen to like. Uh, uh, classical music mm. and I think that might be because I'm a lyricist at heart like my songwriting is really my passion right. I, my singing is secondary I really don't find it's still it's only been recent that I consider myself a singer um, but I, I'm really a songwriter and so sell me on a record player why, why, <laughs> why do I want a record player because I've had record players and I found CDs when they came out, to be a huge improvement. And I heard all the arguments about, eh, I didn't buy any of that. The first time I listened to Mm. Dark Side of the Moon on a compact disc, it was revelatory to me. (laughs) And I've never completely understood the vinyl thing because the vinyl thing has such a hiss and pop kind of a thing that bugs me when I listen to music. Okay, well, first of all, I would suggest maybe there's Crosley has a really cool record player that has two speakers that come off the side. It looks like a little suitcase and it, and you pop out these two speakers so I it's kind of also so good remember closing yeah, yeah 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 for me it harkens back to like the betty crocker era of me being like seven to twelve because <laughs> exactly. i grew easy up the easy, easy bake oven yeah, yeah. right because well, that would open up too, at, right? let me show you i'm wearing these glasses today and uh, the audience who can't see it they are square glasses because when i wear these joe shaw freaks out <laughs> yeah, because oh, oh. there's a little OCD thing. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah okay, you no. have a suit, right? So, yes, yeah. I, can't, okay. I, I can't look at her <laughs> no, when thank she wears you. They're, they're, Just OCD. so people know, one is a circle and one is a square. And no, I know and that J- I, I was having dinner with Joe and he was like, oh no, however, no, take those off. However, so maybe that's why you don't it, like the, the well, hiss and pop. But I was going to say, bringing it back to the idea of music we like. I love that in music. I love no, but dissonance for, and the and actual thing is there's an there is an actual difference uh, between the analog and digital wavelength of the sound. And what I would say is, I'm I shouldn't sell you on it. 
go down to Inner Sleeve Records mm-hmm. and talk to Craig right. about it, who has been a really key part of this. He had the vision of opening a, rec- a vinyl mm-hmm. store That's before vinyl was. Yeah. It's in the town of Amagansett. Mm-hmm. He's great really created too. a great shop. And I'd say, like, don't you don't have to do the whole thing. Just have it. And at the end of the day, for me, it brings back something of childhood, and, and, and it makes me calm. I miss albums because I miss the the physical and the artwork. I mean, the whole yeah, digital the music thing notes. is great because I listen to a variety of stuff I never could have afforded to listen to before with, with Apple Music, and I can listen to anything right, I want. Right. I've got that, but I miss the physical. I still well, remember I lo- buying Kiss Destroyer <laughs> and coming home with that album. Oh, and yeah. Being like, I'm the oh, uncool kid. Yeah. I, Tony, of course, my stepfather, Tony Walton, who's going to be at the Friday night show that has just happened, um, you know, he had like every show Broadway show that had ever been so I and some of them were things I never got to see because I they were before I was born like Fiorello and but I would listen and I would like read the back because it was like a story Jesus and then Christ I'd, Superstar then I'd put the song on and then I was, I'd take it off the when needle when I was a read. kid I lived yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar because it had the it had the libretto with it well let's, let's and I learned the word libretto well, my daughter <laughs> my daughter doesn't have Annie you know what I mean in yeah. the sense of like we were Seven, you'd listen yeah. to Annie and you'd dress up and you'd bounce off the beds of Greece. <laughs> right, oh, Greece, absolutely. And I would I say the benefit, if you want me to sell you on analog, and this will be the last statement, is yeah, it we, forces you to really listen to the full album, too. Okay, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 but let's talk, you guys have a Jeff Buckley in common. I want to hear the Jeff Buckley story, because I'm like the world's biggest Jeff Buckley fan, and I am I sort of tell everybody, and I try, I gift his album to everybody and say, oh, that's fabulous. You, have to go fi- you have to find this guy who should be in everybody's consciousness beyond Hallelujah, which is an amazing song, but no, no, but it's kind of had the life storm. squeezed yeah. out of it now. Right. But that entire album, and he's got such a small group of of songs that he created. But I, I, I his death at thirty, I believe, yeah, either thirty or thirty three uh, or something, something around like that. that. Yeah, just in in, in a in river, the way he right? died, yeah, drowning, yeah, yeah. listening to a whole lot of love. Oh by God. Led Zeppelin, and uh, wow, you really know. I Jeff really Buckley. do, and actually, someday I'm going to go to that uh, that uh, tributary of the Mississippi River because I want to see where it actually. I think you should. I went to Patsy Cline's um, grave, and that was pretty cathartic. That's wow. it. So, tell me your Jeff Buckley story. Well, my Jeff Buckley story uh, has to do with the Talk House, and now we've talked earlier about like I I, I got I buy a, a guitar. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right, and right. I, I, I teach myself road. some chords, and I get to it, and I start writing, and I go to these um, open mics, and I and I and I start meeting other musicians, and it, I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna try to quick make this as quick as possible, but I the day I decided it this is before Jeff Buckley the day I decided to officially become a, a, a singer songwriter I made the decision in my mind mm-hmm. I. There was a guy, Ed, Crazy Eddie, that used to bartend at the Talk House. And I bumped into him and I was like, Eddie, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become a musician. I've decided it's my life's calling. He goes, great. You have to come down tonight and see this girl. She's amazing. She's amazing. Uh, It's $5. Her name's Joan Osborne. She's going to blow you away. (laughs) So I go that night. I'm like physically, mentally high as a kite from the the energy of not, not, not drugged high. I was like... And I walk in and I've got, I've got, I'm like a rooster. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I got there was something to give. And I sat on the corner side of the talk house bar and Joan Osborne opens her mouth. And I think within 15 seconds, I was weeping. Oh my God. 
I am never going to make it. Oh, my God. Because she's the first. Sure. Like, this is the day I decide. Set okay? the bar. Set, Set the bar I said, if there. this chick is $5, how am I ever, <laughs> ever, ever going to survive? This? I've seen her live, too. I, mean, I saw her yeah. on the third stage which was a flatbed trailer truck at the Horde Festival in like 1993, right before the album blew up and won yeah. the Grammy Yeah, well, this was 90, 91, okay? So, yeah, okay. Like, so yeah. you were a little, but okay. I caught her and I had exactly the same, I was one of about 30 people right. standing around the stage and said, holy Yeah, but you didn't ass. decide that day that you were going to be a female <laughs> No, singer. I did not. Okay. I can't imagine how it affected you. Or maybe you, you did. Yeah. And then there's a whole other no, side to it, too. I love you either way. Okay, so in that vein, um, my uh, education, my trip along the asphalt that I was talking about, the hard-earned time in. I mean, we were the house band for 16 years. We played the 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. slot. So I got to see everyone. Mm -hmm. We followed Johnny Winter. We followed Dick Dale. We followed, I mean, consecutive times, Dave Mason. What an education that Peter Honekham gave me, really. Because he saw something in us before we even saw it. God bless you, Peter. Yeah, we love you, Peter. And Nick and Max and Tammy and the whole, the whole family there. They are my second family. So anyway, with that in mind... Jeff Buckley was playing one night and I was single and young and starting out and I went and soaked up everything and five dollars. Are you serious? And he's he's at the and and he and there were about there were about fifteen people. Oh my lord. And he in I don't know if this was young um if this was young musician Nancy or whatever, but he sang to me. And I was in the corner, and there were not a lot of people, but he locked on to me. And maybe I was just some kind of grounding force, which, mm. as a singer, you do from time to time. Sure. I mean, people talk and, you know, whatever, and you can lock on to a person. But um, I think, I think some I don't, of his magic passed in. Uh, maybe I was, I was uh, shaking. I like, yeah. was like, who is this guy? And what, what was that? And it was... Beyond spellbinding. Wow. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was really, and you know, that's the wild thing. You see musicians like that all the time. And it goes back to this, almost this thing from the Washington Post. They put a, a, a violin player. Have you ever heard of yeah, this? Yeah, and it was Joshua Bell, right? Yes. And they yeah. put him in the subway. Right. And he yeah. was sold out for like, Oh, maybe he's a world. We're all the world's best violinist, and people were just walking by him. So, what does that say to you? Who out there have we? Do we not know about who may be the greatest musician yeah. of all time and just never got the brakes? I, I mean, and my ex husband. You remember? You may remember Randy. Randy Freed was the first sound man at Bay Street, um, and he's George's dad. And he was part of a band called the Debutantes, which won the New England Rock Hunt twice. Right. And I still find myself humming some of their songs. Their yeah, songs right. were extraordinary. Ne- you know, nothing. Never Wil- discovered. Wilco has that song, Late Greats, about the band that, the greatest band that you, and you, they never made an album. They never, That's right. you know, it's, hey, the. Uh, Sugar Man, you have this documentary absolutely. about, you know. Modern Lovers. The, oh, the Modern the Lovers. Modern, the Modern Jonathan, Lovers album. Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Jonathan Lovers? Jonathan Richmond's yeah, yeah. band oh, yeah. never made an album. The well, album that's out all, is demos. I was that's in Brown. All it is. I, I saw yeah. them all the time. And also One of the, uh, the Young Adults. Ever. But young it goes adults. back to... And I'm giving Rudy Cheeks a shout out so he'll listen to the show. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy Cheeks was like the guy in Providence and he was like, he knew the talking heads and everybody. But that's like, your in, that's yeah. a, that goes back to your intention. What's your yeah. intention? What's my intention as a songwriter? My intention is to be... So true 
And it's very hard to write a real song because you're laying yourself out naked. Right. If you're really a true, in my opinion, the type of songs that I like to write, you're laying yourself out. I have a song, Miscalculations, and that was about, um, uh, I had $8 in my bank account, and I had to decide whether I was going to get a ramen or a nail cutter for my dog who was scratching my new boyfriend's floor up. <laughs> and I went and I decided that night, and it was a winter time. It was, could have been right around now, but there were blizzards. I decided that night that I was going to give up. I was just 29, mm. and this was not the life that I wanted to lead. And uh, I, I was weeping and crying, and I said, this, has, I, this is not, I can't do this anymore. And the next day, I went to the post office. I wrote the song, Miscalculations, and the next day, I went to the post office, and there was a $13,000 check from ABC for, for being in this thing that Barbara Koppel had been in, oh, that I had been in. Yeah. And I didn't know I was getting paid, or whatever, and it was oh. a royalties check for my participation in it. And so that's the I, universe telling I you something. I literally fell to the floor on the ground of the Amagansett post office and I went, it actually chokes me up. Yeah. I went like, okay, okay. Yeah. And I, I remember going to the bank and shaking because I felt like it was a fake check. Right. And I, and I was like, I gave it to her like you can imagine, like my eyes were going back and forth and I put it over right. and she looked at it and she goes, well, that's a nice check. And I said, it is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. It is. is it? And, I, and I was like, is it real? It, yeah. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's real. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And I amazing, said, could you photocopy amazing. that for me? And I still have it. That's, that's amazing. amazing. That's so great. That's so great because that also shows how much you, how much gratitude you have. Oh, I have tremendous gratitude. And sometimes people say, well, do you, do you get upset not playing Madison Square Garden? No, I don't. Would I, do I think I could slay Red Rocks with Johnny, Brett, Rich, and Neil? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. I know. I have 25 years in with this band, 24 this year. Mm -hmm. I know if you put us in, we are like a trained stallion. However, I'll be damned if I'm going to sit on the sidelines in one of the most beautiful places in the world with friends that I love deeply and I get the joy of making music. Do you know the, one of the greatest joys is sitting down with my friend Inda, eating bread and talking about songwriting? I know. I've seen you and, on Instagram. And, and I'm like, like, I want to be there. You know, and, and, and that camaraderie yeah. and that support. I also, yeah. I always can tell, uh, uh, you know, there, there really is a support system, I think, to a degree, you know? Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up soon. Oh, and I'm so sad. I know, I know. I want to know what's the strangest thing you listen to? Tell me something that you listen to that would blow us away that you that that you wow. enjoy that you enjoy. Oh yes, probably that would probably be. Oh, my guilty pleasure would yeah, be like right. Van Halen from the eighties. <laughs> nothing wrong, but with that. no, nothing wrong. But I got to think about that. What is my strangest thing? That I li um, I like Norwegian black metal every once in a while. There you it's go. A little it's a little palate cleanser. <laughs> Kyle Lynch really also is. loves. Oh my I, goodness! I, I, absolutely. There's a there's a and I like drone music. But you have a, is, you just need I your own show. Really this is Echoes me, with Joe exactly. Shaw. Absolutely. So what do you, Today what do you, we're going to listen to <laughs> Norwegian black metal. I, I, Never even heard of it. Seriously. Yeah. Oh. I, I just sing a lot. I was like on the way what, here. I was listening to Bat Boy the Musical. I'm like so not cool. I'm sorry, but I love it. What's I think something it's that's just 
would surprise me. The, the Van Halen thing, eh, I'm not totally sure. No, well, a Comac girl. I mean, that that would surprise you. Well, I said, like, when I'm writing, I detox from music altogether, which is probably the antithesis of a lot of musicians. I mean, most people would say, like, if you're a writer, read all the time. You immerse you. you don't I really you. don't. Yeah. I, I feel like I have a, a an antenna, and I got to respect that antenna, and I actually buckle down, much to the, even probably the frustration of my husband, who is also a... Uh, musician and, right. and, and everything. I'm not a, a, I don't share. I go, I go like a pit bull and I go down and I survey everything and I really think about it and the craft. So I would say the craziest things are the, the songs that I've written that you've never heard. Yeah. You know, like, um, good answer. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll have the, uh, it's out there. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? I have, I have a all, a I have an have all girls there, punk you? rock band in me called uh, Aqua Vulva. Okay, uh, so oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you bring, so there, bring it on. And, and, and our first bring song is 10 inch blank. Okay, nice. so you know, nice. there Love you go. It. Okay, my baby's got a 10 inch blank. Okay, well, so, you know, I obviously now I have to learn how to play an instrument yes. so that I can be part of Aqua Volvo. My baby's show. got a tenant. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you get that first show book, ten let me know. Long and I ten inches long and ten inches He whips it out. It's like a big old brick. Uh, my baby's got. Sorry. No, this is you crazy. Asked. No, you uh, asked is, me. Oh, my God. I Believe just love me, when you I so asked much. the question, I didn't know what kind of answer I'd get. That exceeds any expectation. <laughs> You will have a, a front row seat if I, will I ever be there. break out. I will Aquanaut, be there. And the, yeah. I'll so have listen. my MC5 shirt on. All right, let's do it, Joe. So if you want to follow Nancy Atlas, you have a website, nancyatlas.com. Yeah, but Instagram is probably best. At, at, at Nancy, Nancy Atlas. Atlas. Yeah. And Joe Shaw from... I almost said from The Independent. <laughs> no, I have an Instagram account. The last posting on there was about... 13 months ago. So okay, yeah, yeah, feel yeah. free to follow me. Right, it's not right. a real challenge. <laughs> but do remember we are on listener-supported public radio, so 88.3wppb.org. It's always a good time to make a donation to National Public Radio and our local NPR station, which plays lots of local singer-songwriters. Yeah. And, uh, yep. That's Thank you. Thank Nancy, you, you are... Gianna Volpe. Thank you. Yeah, Gianna. For all the love. Brian. For all of us. For all of us, yeah, yeah. everybody, and Brian Crespo for sure. And uh, it's just been a, just an amazing whirlwind of a time with you. So thank you oh, so much for coming from the, the Montauk to, to I be I think here. we touched on enough things. <laughs> no, no, we got to have you I back. Got my Jeff Buckley question. That's, That's the one right. I had locked yeah. and loaded for so a while. Now. Oh my God, you got. I'll, I'll whisper the other name of the band, but the first word I can't say, it, the backup name for it. Well, we'll, 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 we'll talk rock. about it when we, okay. we're done. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> you've been listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Joe Shaw. And Alec, we miss you. We'll see you again soon. And as Alex Oglow always signs off, be well, stay well. <laughs>